This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, and I am joined by Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota <laughs> and the Abiders. And we're feeling smart today. Yeah, we are. You are, because <laughs> it's your job I think sometimes you could do this show. <laughs> no, not really. Not at all. Uh, Julie is the expert, as you know, if you're familiar with uh, our Smart Garden show. Brought to us, by the way, by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. And one of these days we'll get to use yeah, that outdoor yeah. furniture once the snow Oh, it's us. coming around. It is, it's of coming course. Around. It is. Yeah, it'll be here. Uh, somebody wants to don't wish your life away, Mr. Long. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Let it move too fast. Yes. And if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, I know it's two above zero, but we it doesn't matter. Uh, we hardy uh, Midwesterners <laughs> love our gardening. Yeah, maybe it's a fantasy yeah. world a little bit, but <laughs> no, no, really. I but think we think a lot about it. Yeah, yeah we spend and, a lot of time thinking and, and about plants. Not, not just the, the the garden, but yards as well. A lot of people right. enjoy working right. In their yards. I'm I already do. answering lawn questions. I bet you are, <laughs> and will today too. If you have yeah, possibly, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, by all means, call it in or text it, and we've cleared the lines from last hour six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six, or uh, if you prefer, uh, send Julie a text eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. And I know lots. I'm hearing lots of good things about the arboretum these days. Oh, it's beautiful out there, boy! They've got the uh, flower show going on, and it's um, it has a a world glo- a global theme where you have a little passport and you go from country to country, and they've created these beautiful exhibits of. From different countries, so with a kind of a theme against it. So it's, it's just, it's awesome place yeah, to be. It really is. We'll talk it smells more wonderful about that. out there. Yeah. Man, it's fantastic. I just saw some, I um, can't remember which TV station it was, had did a story about that. Yeah. And uh, it's Very just photogenic. A, it really is, yeah. 651 989 Lana Garden Talk. Last week, Texter says, uh, what is that called? Thistle, killing thistles. Oh, yeah. Apply one teaspoon. I'm even not sure what they're talking about here. Uh, it's cheap and it works great. I'm not sure of one teaspoon of what. Um, agriculture something. One teaspoon. White salt. Oh, is that all it is? Agriculture white salt. Okay. Hmm. Not sure what that is. Yeah. Well, you know, the problem with home remedies is it might work for one person, but it's not research-based. And... Uh, um, that being said, we have a former faculty member, Jeff Gilman, who actually did run some of these tests of some of these home remedies. Many of them he was able to say, no, this isn't really going to work. The unfortunate thing about home remedies, too, is sometimes you add, because there isn't really a recipe for it or something that shows long-term effect 
or a negative effect. The problem is, is you can add too much of something. So here they're talking about, I don't know what white agricultural salt is. I'm not really sure what they mean mm. by that. But if you keep adding salt to soil, eventually nothing is going to grow where it is. So uh, uh, salt, uh, you know, the best thing for thistles is really <laughs> preventing them, first of all, by improving your soil and then growing plants that will outcompete the thistles, but then also really hand digging the thistles, thistles out, getting on, you know, getting in there when they're small, not waiting until they get too big. And uh, and then also resorting to chemicals too, yeah. Our research based. Yeah, I remember it was years ago. Uh, we we do once in a while get home remedies for things, right? And we always get no joke about creeping Charlie. But I mean, when we used to get calls and still do about creeping Charlie, somebody suggested, and I know you've heard this, using borax. Oh yeah, but mule team. I also heard that if you do that, you could sterilize your soil. Right, right, because borax has boron in it, oh. the element boron, and boron stays in the soil. If you keep, if you add too much, eventually nothing will grow in that location because of that boron, so, so toxicity. Uh-huh. So sometimes the home remedies, and again, sometimes they work for one person, and yeah. and but uh, but it's you, you can't, we can't promote those because they we don't know for sure that they work for everybody. All right. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance. This is the hour we do that. It's called the Smart Garden Show, brought to us by By the Art Furniture. Uh, Bill, I believe, is calling in uh, this morning with a question. Bill, what is your question? If I have some hibiscus trees in the house and they're getting large, can I plant them outside the summer? And will they make it through the winter? They will not make it through the winter. But you can certainly put them outside. Um, a lot of people will move them out to a patio or deck. But you could you could transplant it into your garden and then dig it up in the fall and put it back in a pot and bring it back indoors. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's doable that way. That would be a tropical landscape. Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you, Bill. 651-989-9226. I see a, li- a line is open if you'd like to uh, to use it to ask your question to Julie. Julie Texter says, is now a good time to prune apple trees and pear trees? We're getting close. Uh, the recommendation is in March, and so we are, we're right there. And, uh, yes, then you would, I would say you could start pruning any time in March. Okay. That's one thing I, I believe we'll probably be getting uh, more questions right. about regarding trimming. And we also have on our extension site, under our fruit section, we have uh, three a series of three apple pruning videos that you can watch before you go out to prune. So take a look at that. It's at extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden and then just go to Fruits. And you can see Annie Claude, our extension educator in vegetable and fruits, uh, showing us how to do that with Dave Bedford and a couple other folks from the Arboretum. Right. we got to mention that uh, site from time to time because it's you guys have really put in a lot of work over the last yeah it's too. it's been a, a a labor of love but it's getting better all the time and we're adding more and more information and what is it again exactly extension.umn.edu excellent 651-989-9226 is our phone number uh, call julie or text julie 81807 let's see who's next mary is calling from egan i believe hi mary Hi. Morning. I went on vacation, and when I came home, my house plants needed a little bit of water, and I picked up the jug, what I thought was water, and it was really apple cider or oh. apple vinegar, oh. distilled white vinegar. Oh, my gosh. So I, yeah. So my plant's a bit droopy. Is there anything I can do to salvage it? Uh, I would flush your plants with clear water. So put them in the sink 
or the shower, depending on the size of the plant, and, and just run a, for a couple of minutes, run some clear water through there to flush that soil. That's about all you can do. Other than you could try repotting, but I think that's gonna. I think you're gonna solve your problem by just flushing it out. Flushing it out. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. Yep, Good luck, Mary. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> vinegar. I can see how if you're using yeah. a, a vinegar jugs with water, right. how uh, right. what an easy mistake that is. Uh, text number is eight one eight zero seven. What are some good plants to grow under a deck overhang where there is shade? Somebody wants so to that's know. going to be a very dry, shady spot. Um, certainly there's our tried and true hosta. There's a lot of uh, tough hostas that will grow under there. There's a great ground cover, a native ground cover called wild ginger. That's a terrific ground cover to grow in a dry uh, area. Uh, we also have, if you want, a plant that's going to spread quite a bit uh, and stay low. It's called uh, Virginia water leaf. That's another uh, native. And we also have um, uh, ostrich ferns, which are quite tall. So it depends how tall that space is. They get to be about five feet tall. But they would be great. Other ferns would be uh, optional as well, possible options. So you're looking primarily for dry shade. We have a book called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. It's a PDF. You can find that also on our extension uh, webpage. And uh, and it's under growing plants, and it's it's growing plants for special situations, I think it is. So you can find it under perennials. Some good info. I've it's seen great that. info, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a dry shade page. It's lists of plants. It, it explains a little bit about the difficult locations. Sometimes it's like alkaline soil or or uh, you know dry clay, heavy clay. And it was written by Master Gardeners in celebration of the 30 years of the program, which was now 15 years ago, wow. I think. Mary actually organized it along with some other faculty. So uh, so that was that's a great book. So and you can just Google in best plants thirty tough sites and it'll pop right up. You can just right. download it. Uh, Julie, we need to take a quick break here. So alerting our uh, phone callers, stay there. We'll be right back. Just quick break and texters, uh, you can join in to eight one eight zero seven. And good morning and welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here, <laughs> CCO. <laughs> Hello, Who was hello, that hello. guy? I don't know. Echo. <laughs> so scary. Julie Weisenhorn is in a studio with us, helping you out, answering your lawn and garden yeah. questions by phone and by text. And as we head to the phones, I want to mention, too, that folks that don't know, you and some colleagues <laughs> are in a band called the Abiders. Yeah, the, the boys and I. The boys and you. Yeah, yeah. Carlos and... And Larry and my brother Andy and our buddy John. And we are playing next Saturday out at uh, Billy's in Rockford, right on 55 as you come into Rockford. Now somebody's going to say, well, what kind of music do you guys play? We Well, we call it Bluesabilly. Okay. <laughs> it's fun stuff. But it's like Americana. You know, it's yeah. a mixture of blues and rock and roll. And, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot fun. of fun. Yeah. We've been rehearsing hard. In fact, we have rehearsal tomorrow. What time? One, one week from today. One week from today. Uh, February 23rd. I think we start about 8 o'clock. We play to midnight. Outstanding. All right, we'll It'll mention be a gas. That. We'll mention that again before you <laughs> leave us. In the meantime, back to work, Lawns and Gardens, who has back been waiting work. there. Yes. Alex is calling, I believe, from Richfield. Alex, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi there. Yeah, Hello. so I just bought a house um, that has no gardens, what to speak of, and I'm really looking forward to starting a Minnesota or Midwest native garden. And any nice. tips you have for that would be great. Yeah, Alex, we have a, a, for starters, we have a webpage on uh, our extension.umn.edu yard and garden site, and it is called Native Plants. 
and it has recommendations for trees in Minnesota, and, it, and it's broken up by regions, so you can find yours, the central area or wherever it is. Uh, also, we have native, a really good publication uh, on native. It's a blog, actually, on native grasses, the benefit. That's written by Mary Meyer, who's on the team here for Smart Garden. And uh, and she's been doing a lot of research on the benefits of grasses to Lepidoptera larvae. So these are the larvae of butterflies and moths and some of those that are endangered. So if we can uh, be planting those grasses for uh, for food and habitat for these important uh, insects, that would be great. So there's also great information on uh, flowers for bees and pollinators on that site as well. And lists of, uh, we have a good list that's a good starter list called Plants for Minnesota Bees that was written by our bee squad. And you can just Google that title and that will that will pop right up. So there's a good place to start. I would also recommend uh, looking at uh, like a, a landscape uh, landscape design workshop. Uh, Jim Calkins, my buddy and I, are teaching one right now, but we'll be teaching a one-day class uh, in Rochester uh, on April 6th, I believe. And then uh, we may be teaching another one later in the season. And that's so you can look at that. We do that through the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. So you can go to northerngardener.org. And look at classes there. And then, of course, at the Arboretum, there's a ton of different classes to take, too. So if you're interested in getting a little bit of design information and then learning about uh, native plants, you can look for information there. And then, again, look at our website. Some good resources, for sure. Yeah, I could go do a whole show on resources. (laughs) I bet, yeah. Alice, good luck. Yeah, Yeah, good luck with that. That's a great, great uh, uh, plan for the year is to uh, establish that Minnesota Native Garden. And your B squad is really an A squad for bees, though. That's right. It's okay. B E. I wanted to clarify not, that. Not just the letter B. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're, um, Mick... they're beyond A. They're A plus plus people. Mickey is calling from Minnetonka. Mickey, you're on with Julie here on CCO. Mickey. Hello, hello. Oh, can't do it, Dennis. Three, four. There she, and... Mickey. There she is. Oh, hi. Sorry. Hello. Um, Hello. What can, can we you, do for can you, you, Mickey? Can you hear us? Oh, yep. I can hear you. Excellent. Um, it, we've been walking and admiring a catalpa tree for quite a while. And in the fall, I harvested some of the seeds from one of the pods. And I put those seeds in our refrigerator. Okay. And uh, was wondering, what do I do now? Uh, you can go ahead and I, let's see. I'm trying to think. They've probably gone through a cold enough period, and uh, you could probably start. You could probably try potting them up, and uh, choose the best seeds. Make sure they're nice and you know good shape, and they're uh, they don't have any mold or anything on them. And then uh, yeah, just put them in a pot with some soil and moisten it. Um, I'm not sure with those seeds if they have a hard seed coat on them. I haven't looked at a catalpa seed. I don't think they do. So I think just watering them should probably uh, cause that uh, seed to expand and uh, rehydrate and then pop out that first uh, root. So, um, yeah, that that's great. I love catalpas. Their flowers are like orchids, and, they're, and they have those amazing huge leaves, gigantic leaves. Give it lots of room wherever you end up planting that tree. Yeah. They're big trees. They are big. Thanks, Mickey. Cool. Tim is in Ramsey. Tim is in Ramsey with a, uh, a question for Julie. Hi, Tim. Good morning. Good morning. So, good morning. We have a condition going on with 
either it's either the white or the burrow trees on our property. And what it is is um, in the spring, the trees look healthy. Come about August, mid-August, um, they'll start browning the leaves. And by September, we could be raking the leaves. And um, it's... It's not oak wilt, that I know, okay. because it's not doesn't affect the red oaks, and we're well aware of the oak wilt up in our area. Sure. But this is just the the uh, white or burr oaks, and some of them are very large trees. And so, and then then the leaves that are left late late in the year, they'll typically hang on all winter long. A red oak typically will do that, but the white oaks, you know, generally shed their leaves or whatever. But so doing a little bit of reading, um, it sounds like it may be something like burr oak blight or something like that. Do you know anything about that? That would be a hard thing to figure out on the radio, but uh, you know, we often will recommend a certified arborist coming out, particularly with mature trees like that, because they're so valuable, not only from a property value standpoint, but just the aesthetics and uh, and. So I would I'd recommend having a certified arborist come out and take a look at your trees. They'll examine them and assess them for their health. If you have photos at all of the leaves, that would be nice to have there for them to take a look at. Um, it could be anthracnose. It could be um, baroque wilt. I'm not really sure. I'm not a pathologist, so I I'm, I can't can't answer that question exactly. But I would say it's well worth it to get an arborist out there to take a look at those plants. We have good ones here. Too. We have excellent ones. And we have a site uh, or a webpage on our uh, extension site called How to Hire a Certified Arborist. It's under our Trees and Shrubs section. And uh, and that would be a great publication to, to uh, check out. It has some good questions that you can uh, that will help you to ask some good questions as well. Good. All right. Julie, we need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. More Lawn and Garden Talk. Your questions by phone and by text for Ju- uh, Julie. And welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show brought to us by our friends at By the Art Patio Furniture, family-run business in Jordan, Minnesota. We'll talk about that coming up. Julie, you wanted to kind of backtrack a little. Yeah, I want to go back to the oak question, the gentleman who has the yeah. oaks. Uh, we have a great tool that is on the website called What's Wrong With My Plant. It's a diagnostic tool. We have a couple of other ones too. What insect is this and is this plant a weed? But in that, you can go ahead and select whatever the plant is. So in this case, it would be oaks. And then it gives you a whole uh, list of choices of the symptoms that you see. Like he mentioned the brown leaves that drop early. And in looking at that, and I went to um, the um, to that and I came up with, I looked at the burr oak blight, which has a great uh, uh, fact sheet that's associated with that uh, diagnostic tool. So that's a great tool for anybody who has a question. If they're trying to at least get a, a couple of ideas of what it might be that's affecting their plant, is go to what's wrong with my plant and uh, and then put in the, the host plant or the plant that you're wondering about, in this case oaks, and then go ahead and, and look at the, the different symptoms and try to find one that matches what you're seeing. And you can kind of bounce back and forth if you if you're not sure it might be one, you can check another one. So and there's uh, resources associated with those. So at least you can kind of look at that and say, oh, no, no, that's not what it is. Mine doesn't look anything like that. And then you can try to try to uh, analyze that uh, before you call in a professional in this case or if, if it's something that you can cure on your own. Okay. 
So what's wrong with my plant? It's a great Excellent. diagnostic tool from our uh, pathologist, Michelle Grabowski, and our entomologist, Jeff Hahn. Excellent. Thanks for bringing that up, Julie. Uh, let's go back to the phones, then we'll grab some more text messages. Uh, Megan's calling from Woodbury this morning. Megan, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Julie. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. I have a question concerning aphids in the lawn. We had a pretty extensive um, aphid population last summer that drained all of the chlorophyll from our lawn. We did end up having to chemically treat in the end to get rid of it. But I'm just wondering if my lawn's going to come back or what I can do to help that this spring. Good question. Uh, aphids in the lawn. Boy, I've never seen that one before. Wow. But yeah, that would be really awful. <laughs> Uh, aphids reproduce, um, oh, there's a great word and I can't remember what it is. Essentially the females reproduce on their own (laughs) Mm. and the females can, when they're, when they're carrying a female, they can, that female can also be pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. Somebody will write in with the right right terminology for that. Uh, at any rate, that's a kind of a tangent, but, um, Lawns, uh, as we go into spring, the first thing is to stay off of the lawn until the soil is dry because you'll compact that soil down. And uh, once it's dry, then you can get out there and do some gentle raking, rake up uh, any dead uh, you know, plant material that might be there. And then uh, you can go ahead and uh, uh, treat your lawn with uh, an early season fertilizer and uh, and and then let your lawn grow to about three, three and a half inches, and it will green up really fast in the spring. And and then mow it longer. Don't don't mow it so short. So wait till it gets to be about four, maybe five inches long, and then mow set your mower at three or four inches and then mow it uh short and let those clippings lie on that grass. So keeping that lawn longer gives your grass more blade surface to photosynthesize, and that will put energy back into the roots. And it will also cause the roots to grow deeper. And when those roots grow deeper, they can grab more water, they can take up nutrients, and those blades shade those uh, grass plants and keep them cool when we get into the hot time of summer. So uh, the other la- the other thing too is longer lawns will shade out weed seeds, and weed seeds germinate by uh, being exposed to sunlight. So if they're shaded, they're not you're not going to have such a weed issue in your lawn. So those are some things you can do. Really easy things: just mowing your lawn longer, uh, leaving it, letting it go longer, not cutting it so short, will go a long way to helping uh, that plant those plants be healthier. Yeah, good tip. We also have great other stuff on our lawn, uh, lawns and landscaping section about a healthy lawn that you can read more, a little bit more about. On the website. On the website, yep, at extension.umn.edu. Good deal. Good luck, Megan. Thanks for the call. Let's grab some text messages while we're at it. If you have a text for Julie, 81807. Texter has a variety of hydrangeas. I've left, they said, the blooms on for the winter. When and how do I cut them in the spring? Okay, so hydrangeas, uh, you can wait until those buds, you'll see the buds on the branches get fatter, and they'll start to kind of open up. Then it's, it's called bud break, and that's when you can prune. That's when you should prune, or just slightly before that, when those buds are becoming evident. And you just want to select a point, uh, a height for that plant, uh, You know, usually cut down about a third of it or so, and uh, and then just cut them all at about the same height so that the plant has a nice rounded form when it actually does leaf out. 
You just want to trim to right above a particular bud. So select one. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you're going to cut everything around two feet uh, tall and just select a bud and cut right above the top of it so that it's at the end of the cut branch. Now, 81807 is the uh, text number. If you want to call in your question for Julie, 651-989-9226. There's another text. I'm losing scotch pines in our yard due to a fungus. Treatment has been ineffective. Will I be able, do you think, to ever plant another type of evergreen, or is that not wise? Well, it depends what that fungus or bacteria issue has been. And uh, and you can send a sample. If you don't know what, you might know what it is. Since you've been treating for it, I'm, I'm assuming somebody knows what it is. And uh, you want to know if that particular pathogen is will affect all pines or if it only affects Scott pines. Uh, I'm guessing uh, just the little bit that I know about the pathogens on pines, they, they affect all pines. And you might choose spruce at that point or you might choose you know, a different type of evergreen for that, for that area. But chances are, if it's something that affects all pines, you're not going to want to put um, pines in that location for a while, at least. Okay. Let's see what else we have. Texter says a mini rose in the house. It's three years old, actively wow. blooming. <clears throat> Excuse That's me, awesome. Nearly two feet tall. Can I prune it way down? Uh, yeah, you could. You could prune it way down. I'm not sure why you'd want to. It sounds like it's doing great, uh, but yes, you could you could prune it to uh, a point, a node, a point where a branch or a leaf is coming off the stem. You can maybe just maybe selectively pruning it is a better way to think about it, where you're just taking down certain branches that maybe got a little bit longer than some of the other ones, and you want to just create a nicer form for it. Um, so I would just you know take a look at it. Uh, if it's a, being a small miniature rose, you could put on a lazy Susan so you could turn it around <laughs> and you could, you could actually get a look from all around what it might look like. And then I would just do that selective pruning. I don't, I don't know if you could, why you'd want to take it completely down. It can't be that big. So, um, you could, you could cut it all the way down. I think I, I don't think I would cause it's doing so great. You know, we we talk all the time as, as well, well, we should about the Arboretum. A texter says, love, love, love the hosta area. At the arbor. Oh, yeah, the hosta glade. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to look at lots of different kinds of hostas, that's a, that's a great place to go and check out uh, some of the uh, old and new varieties that are there. And it also it, it merges and blends right into the fern walk. So on a really hot summer day, that's a great place to go. <laughs> I bet it is. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Alice in Rochester, I believe, is calling. Alice, uh, good morning. Good morning. Morning. I have uh, rabbits eating my uh, small lilac Chinese shrub yep. and my burning bush shrub. Oh, yes. Burning bush is about six feet high, so it's, they're, they're well seasoned. So I did have wire around the bottoms, but now the snow has gone up, right. so they've gone in. And when and what do I need to do? Uh, well, if, they've, if you want to prevent them from eating more of your plant, you could... Uh, Put another layer of uh, fencing. You could you could just wire it to the current fencing to make a taller fence. That's one thing. I'd be I'd do that for sure. Uh, and then uh, in the summer or in the spring, when the plants uh, you take down the fencing and you or you uh, the plants start to leaf out, then you want to make sure that those plants have enough water. So if we go into a drier spring, which I don't know if we will now with all this snow, it's hard to say. Um, 
Then you want to be sure that those plants are well watered. You want to mulch their uh, root zone, so the base of the plant, so that you're protecting those roots, you're keeping them cooler, you're moderating the soil temperatures, and you're holding in moisture. And uh, you want to do everything you can to make the growing environment great for those plants. The other thing is that if there's a particular branch maybe that the rabbits have gnawed on and, uh, and you think that you can, you can prune that off, I would do that. I would just prune off that branch just to eliminate that uh, large area of exposed um, uh, branch that's, that's been eaten away because that can sometimes create some uh, kind of an avenue for pests. So I would prune off, uh, if, you, if it's possible, prune off some of those branches that have been uh, gnawed on. But you want to keep that plant as healthy as you can. And then next year in the winter, put a bigger fence around it. Uh, we did not have this snow when we, uh, you know, for most of the winter. And then, boom, now yeah. we've got some places have like 30 inches of snow. And those rabbits, you know, they don't weigh very much. They sit right on top <laughs> of right. there. And it's like, ooh, lunchtime. So those are, those are some recommendations that, uh, that I can make. All right. We need to take a quick break, Drew. Thank you, Alice. We have more calls, more texts to uh, help folks on uh, this uh, Saturday morning. It's called Smart Garden around every Saturday here on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's two above zero in the Twin Cities. Uh, good morning. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. We're talking lawns and gardens, which we tend to do every Saturday in this hour. You right? bet. Yeah, we love it, too. All right. And we appreciate all the texts and phone calls we do get every week. There is a line open if you want to use that to ask your question. 651-989-9226. Tons of text messages. Let's uh, dig into them here, Julie. Here's one that says, in anticipation of spring planting, have they come up with any soil treatment to treat the persistent mold that affects beautiful impatience? I waited four years and, again, had to... uh, It had hit. Am I ever going to be able to plant them again, ever? So uh, this texter is referring to downy mildew on impatience. It's uh, a mildew that grows on the underside of impatience, our our impatience walleriana, which is our shade impatient that people have grown in the shade forever. And it is not a soil issue per se. It it winds up in the soil, but it comes in on plants. It comes in, uh, it was um, something that started... Uh, we think it started in the nursery industry, which the nursery industry jumped right on it. And there are some resistant varieties. Uh, Bounce is one that I can think of, the Bounce series. And there's an, there's others too. I'm, I'm not up on all of the different varieties. But you can talk to your local garden center and ask them for the resistant varieties of impatience to the downy mildew. That being said, resistance does not guarantee 100% immunity to something, but they are less likely to be uh, affected by that. And so I would suggest that you also look at some other shade plants that might be a good option. And uh, you can talk to your garden center about that, but you can also look on our website. We have a Gardening in the Shade publication that has some plants you can start with. I mentioned some earlier in the season, or earlier in the show that you could utilize as well. And I would maybe do fewer impatience and separate masses of impatience if you have a very large area with some other plants just to break up the masses so that if one plant comes in with it and it's a little less resistant, that it's not going to necessarily you know, affect all of them. But that, that downy mildew blows around and it, and it resides in the soil 
but there's no treatment for your soil for that and uh, that I know of. And so the idea is to buy resistant varieties. Okay. Here's a text, so Julie. Out. I love my money plant, Texas says, but I'm getting no money from it. Ha ha, kidding. <laughs> How do I repot the little shoots that are coming from the sides of the pot? Uh, you could take the plant out of the pot and just, uh, I think those shoots, you probably can just pull them away from it. They might just come apart. If you, I've never divided a money plant, to be honest. Uh, you, or you can, if they have shoots have roots coming off, you can trim them off. You can just take a nice sharp pruner and prune off uh, a shoot and then go ahead and pot it up in a separate pot. So there really is a money plant. Yeah, there is. There's a money tree. I don't know the Latin name of it, but I, I can see it in my head. All right. Interesting. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones, Julie. John in Bloomington, I believe, is uh, next. John, what's your question for Julie? Yeah, hi. Is there anything that will take out quack grass? There's a product called Preventer, but does that just take it temporarily, or does anything that takes it out for good? Uh, that would be a good thing to look up on our website. I don't know off the top of my head what that would be, but... Um, that would be something to check out on extension.umn.edu. Go to lawns and landscaping and go to our turf section on weeds. And that would uh, that would give you any kind of a, a treatment for quack grass. Okay. I think quack grass is a perennial. Different than crabgrass. Yeah, different. For, crabgrass is an annual. Quack grass is a perennial. Okay. And I think that it's much harder to get rid of being a perennial. Yeah, I would imagine. So, um, yeah. Check out the website, John. Check out the website, uh, let's see. Who's next? Steve is calling in from Brooklyn Park, I believe. Steve, you're on CCO with Julie. Yeah. Um, two questions. Uh, good morning. Number one, it's five below here in Danbury, but that's it's going to get better. Uh, no, number uh, two questions. Number one, I over overwintered geraniums in a dry, cool spot in a plant inside of a brown paper bag. Okay. I want to know when I should pot that. And then the second thing is I have a lot of potting soil from previous years that I've never reused. Is, should I, is there a way to prep that and reuse it? Okay. The geraniums, I think you could probably pot those up almost any time. Uh, I, I would, uh, you know, put them in a sunny window, start watering them, and they'll be a nice size when they go out. And you can prune <laughs> off any kind of wanky uh, branches or stems that look kind of weird. Uh, prune off anything that died. And, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do that any time now. We're getting getting to that point. Um, as far as the um, soil, the old soil, I'm ha- you could use that old soil in containers outside, and I would not use them inside for inside containers just because they could harbor any insects or pathogens that they've attracted over the time they've been outside, uh, any molds and mildews that might be in there. But they could certainly be used for containers outside. Oh, that's a good idea. You could also compost it. You know, that's another option too. Julia Texter says, how long do dry plant bulbs last in storage? Oh, boy, that's it, de- it depends. Um, if the bulb is really dried up, if it's shrivelly and dried up, I would compost that bulb. Uh, you want a bulb to be nice and firm and smooth and not have any mildew or mold on it. Uh, so you have to look at the bulbs. Um, also, the bulbs that are healthy are going to have some weight to them. Whereas a bulb that's completely dried out is going to be weightless, essentially. Somebody wants to know, how do I get a milkweed plant to have a milkweed garden? Well, you can purchase milkweed plants uh, from your garden centers. You can also purchase milkweed seeds. And, uh, and they're a little harder to sprout, some of them. Uh, like a, a, the uh, orange milkweed can be a little 
a little difficult, might take a, a couple seasons, but um, but yes, you can purchase plants. You can purchase small plants from a, a grower. You can purchase a large gallon, you know, size pot. Uh, so lots of different options there. Get to a garden center. Yep, get to a garden yeah. center. Go look for, look for a native plant nursery. We have a number of them in Minnesota, and a lot of our garden centers have native plant sections of their uh, growing uh, ranges. Let's do a quick one here. We've got less than 60 seconds. For those with small living quarters, can Julie speak to hydroponic gardening, types of plants to grow, flowers, vegetables? How to start such a garden? That is not a small question. <laughs> it, should we save it till next yeah, time? Yeah, I would say uh, I, I can make one suggestion is to go to uh, um, our Department of Horticultural Science and look up Tom Michaels. He's one of our faculty he did a hydroponic salad table, and he's got a web page on that. Hmm. So I would start with that. Okay, good. Do a lot of people do hydroponic gardening? You know, I, it's becoming more and more popular. It is, yeah, especially for growing greens and and uh, things indoors like this. Uh, this uh, texture mentioned. Let's uh, give the folks in case they missed it the website again. Yeah, website extension.umn.edu. Go to yard and garden, and we've got all sorts of different options there, and. Uh, and if you didn't get your question answered, you can go to Ask a Master Gardener and you can email that in or visit the Master Gardeners out the Arboretum at the, the Let's Talk Plants desk it's in, worth the, the trip. Uh, in the Information Center. It's worth the trip. Yeah. All right, Julie. And when the buyers, one week from today? Week from today, February 23rd, 8 p.m., Billy's in Rockford. And during, breaks, during breaks on stage, Julie will answer <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. questions. Bring your plants. I'll check them out for <laughs> you. No, just kidding. All right, Julie. Thanks. Good <laughs> to see you. Thanks a lot. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.